In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance conversation this morning, and it's great to be with all of you, as always. And we start off our conversation by inviting to be with us Mary. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, we call out to Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's ask Mary to pray for us and to pray with us. As we say the prayer that Mary loves most, and that prayer is the is the Hail Mary. So together, let's uh, let's say, let's pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'll invite to be with us our spiritual director. What a privilege to have as our spiritual director, the uh, Holy Spirit, very prominent today in the gospel, which is the gospel of the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. Holy Spirit has many titles. He has many titles which indicate his function and purpose within the church, the world, as well as well as in our own lives. So pray to the Holy Spirit as we say. We recognize the Holy Spirit is uh, he's the counselor, he's our consoler. He's also known as the sweet guest of the soul. What a beautiful title. And St. Paul reminds us, St. Paul reminds us that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. So that we can say, Abba, Father. So if we're struggling in our prayer life, we always have someone to help us. And that person to help us is the Holy Spirit. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, to enlighten our minds to enlighten our minds and to set our hearts on fire with love for God and all that refers to God. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit 
and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Thomas Beckett, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So welcome all the, to our Perseverance family conversation and as always we like to pray start off our day by praying together because it's true that the family that prays together stays together also after we pray together I to encourage all of you I'll be placing you on the altar in the mass today We have a concelebrated Mass at 12 noon, and I have my 6 o'clock Mass in Spanish, so I'll place you on the altar in these two Masses. In these two Masses. Because there's no greater prayer in the whole world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Whenever you can go to daily Mass, make an effort to go to daily Mass and to receive receive communion with great fervor. So these will be my intentions for all of us today. The first intention will be that all of us would make a concerted effort to be open to the Holy Spirit. We see Simeon three times. It's mentioned that Simeon was being moved by the Holy Spirit. May we pray this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. To the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray for your family members. That your family would experience the peace and joy and love of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But your family members, especially those who are possibly not practicing the faith, we come to the awareness that only God can give us true happiness. Only God. We try to find our happiness outside of God. It's just a, it's a lie. It's a mirage. It's a deception. We know that the devil is the father of lies, too. My third intention would be I'd like to pray for the conversion of sinners. But most specifically, I'd like to pray for all those who will be dying today for the salvation of those who are dying today, perhaps not in the state of grace, those who are not well prepared, that our prayers would be instrumental in opening up their hearts to God's infinite mercy. So I'd like to place all these intentions on the altar in my Mass. My friends, we're in the fifth day of the Christmas week. Sunday we celebrated the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His name indicates the purpose for which he came. Jesus means Savior. He came to save us from the slavery of sin, the dominion of the devil, and the reality of hell. After the birthday of Jesus Christ, the following day we celebrated one of the valiant soldiers of Christ, and that is St. Stephen, the proto-martyr. Very eloquent in the way he preached the word of God and died defending the truth. Then after that we celebrated the feast day of St. John the Evangelist. St. John the Evangelist, that's right. St. John the Evangelist had a deep friendship with Christ. I hope and we pray as we move on in our perseverance conversations, that all of us would have a, a deeper and deeper friendship with Christ. The portrait of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, El Amigo que nunca falla, 
the friend that will never fail us. May St. John the Evangelist motivate us to go deeper in our friendship with Christ. Then, we celebrate the feast day of the Holy Innocents. King Herod infuriated that, that the Magi took a different route. He sent his soldiers to murder, to massacre the innocent children. The two-year-old male children and, and, and younger. According to studies, they say it was probably between 20 and 26 children that were massacred. St. Joseph had a dream which the angel told him to get up and to flee to Egypt because Herod was after the life of his son. Joseph got up promptly and fled into Egypt. So we celebrate the Holy Innocents. How can we not make a con connection between the Holy Innocents these babies that were killed and the reality of abortion. Abortion is still, is still the abortion is still the the key moral issue in our in our day. So we should do all we possibly can to defend innocent life from the moment of conception until natural death. Human life is sacred. One way in which we can promote pro-life is if you know a woman that's thinking about having an abortion, pray for her, pray with her, and Encourage her to have the child. Very efficacious means is to is to provide her with the opportunity to get an ultrasound. Maybe you can take this woman there. Maybe you can even pay for it to get an ultrasound so that she can see the baby within her womb moving. Waking up, stretching, sucking her thumb, scratching her nose, smiling. If a woman is able to see all this, it's much more difficult for her to carry out the abortion when she's keenly aware of that little child moving and acting as a human person that the child is within her womb. In fact, many women have abortions simply because they're surrounded by people that give them bad advice. I repeat, many women will have abortions because they're surrounded by, surrounded by people 
that give them bad advice. We want to make sure that we always give good advice and say yes to the child. So that's a summary of where we're at in this Christmas week. So before moving into the readings, I'd like to give you a brief summary of the saint that we celebrate today. The saint we celebrate today is an Englishman. His name is St. Thomas Becket, who was born in the year 1118 and died today, December 29th. Eleven seventy. To give you a brief summary of the the saint, we notice in the calendar of saints there are many martyrs, martyrs that are willing to suffer and even shed their blood for the purpose of Christ. Thomas Thomas Becket. was an Englishman that was gifted with many, many gifts. Was highly intelligent. Gifted with a very keen intellect. He was tall. He was handsome. He was eloquent. He was a born leader. He loved life. He, at the beginning of his life, he really loved material possessions. He liked money. He liked to dress luxuriously at the beginning of his life. He had an incredible memory, business ability. So, the Archbishop brought him to Canterbury. And eventually he's going to meet Henry II. So Thomas has made the the it's called the uh, Chancellor of England, which Thomas More would have about four hundred years later. So this post he held for eight years. So he loved this life. Spend his money on clothes and entertainment and hunting and just having a good time. So he and Henry II established a very strong friendship. 
But Henry the Second, Henry the Second did something that put him at odds with uh, with um, Tom Thomas Beckett. He wanted to control the kingdom, but also he wanted to control the church. Eventually, Thomas Becket will be made into a priest and then Archbishop and Archbishop of Canterbury. So once Thomas is is led to be the Archbishop in the church, recognize his responsibility, he totally changed his manner of living. He he resigns as chancellor. He sold his expensive mansion. And basically, he he goes and he lives in a monastery. So what what a radical change. Radical change, this man who's rich, he's got a mansion, he's got money, he's got fine clothes. He's elegant, he's eloquent, he's handsome. Now he's going to go live in a monastery and live a very monastic life of prayer and fasting and penance and see what God can do in the life of a saint. He gives his money to the poor. But also... He gives himself to protect the church. It's basically Henry II wants to take control of the church. And Thomas Becket will not allow this. Henry VIII was uh, imposing strong taxes on the church and Thomas opposed this. And he was trying to make church appointments so that Henry would have certain priests or bishops appointed that would support his agenda. When this happened, Thomas Becket blocked the attempts of Henry. So this friendship that Thomas had with the king for many years turned sour. The king threatened to imprison him and to put him to death. Thomas, aware of these attempts of the king, he fled to France and took refuge in another monastery. This time it would be in a Cistercian monastery in France for about six years. Both of them appealed to the Pope. 
So after about six years, Thomas Beckett returns to England. Then what happened? There was a certain amount of peace until Henry had his son crowned by bishops who supported him instead of the Archbishop of Canterbury who had the right to do so. When the Pope cut these bishops off from the church, Thomas upheld the decision. So, Henry II was appointing bishops to lead the Church of England without the permission of the Pope and Thomas Becket. So the king was growing in anger and animosity toward Thomas Becket. And one night he says, before his knights, will no one rid me of this troublesome priest? So for the knights, they rode to the monastery of Thomas, where Thomas lived. They did not succeed in getting him to change his obedience to the Pope. So Thomas goes from his monastery, he goes from his monastery to the cathedral to pray. This is the cathedral of Canterbury. The monks begged him to lock the doors because the monks knew that he was in danger. Thomas insisted that the that the church remain unbolted by locks. So these knights entered in and they murdered Thomas back and they hacked him to death with hatchets. Near the high altar. By the by the bishop's prayer chair rather. And we have, my friends, we have uh, we have the, the last words of Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett says I accept death for the name of Jesus and for the church. People proclaim that Thomas was a saint and actually Henry II did penance, public penance, to be absolved of his sins. He was actually canonized three years after he died. Many pilgrimages were made to Thomas Becket. He is the most famous martyr of, of, the, Mid of the Middle Ages.
So my friends, it's a really wonderful story. We have to get to know the saints better and better. The name of that saint, my friends, is Saint Thomas Becket. Well, we move, my friends, from the life of this St. Thomas Beckett to, to the readings for today. And the first reading, my friends, is taken from the letter of St. Paul, St. John, rather. How do we, how do we know how do we know that we love God? St. John points out very clearly that, my friends, we know, we know that we love God by obeying His commandments. Our Christian Catholic faith does not depend so much upon feelings or sentiments or emotions that are like the weather. But rather, our love for God is manifested by our obedience to the commandments. St. John says that very, very clearly in the reading today. The way we may be sure that we know Jesus is to keep his commandments. Is to keep his commandments. He'll go on to say, whoever says he knows Christ but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So today you might even go through the commandments and check out check out are, are are you obeying the commandments? Jesus will go on to say, If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus will go on to say, This is the will of my Father. That you keep my commandments. Jesus will go on to say, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my heavenly Father. So that's, the, that's one of the, the key ideas that are coming from the first reading today. Love is not simply feelings. But love is obeying God's commandments. And the second point that John is making out is that we cannot, there, the commandments can be divided into two different, two different um, parts. Uh, You've got the vertical relationship to God, then the horizontal relationship to God. The vertical relationship to God is commandment one, two, and three. 
Then the horizontal relation to God is 4 to 10. 4 to 10, which would be our relationship to our relationship to our brothers and sisters. So much so that John will say, how, how, can, how can we say that we love God who we don't see if we're hating our brother or our sister? So true love for God has to be manifested by our love for our, our brothers and our sisters. Now some of you might be thinking, Father Broome, okay, I understand. But what happens if someone really hurts me? When someone really damages me? Someone really offends me? Maybe verbally, emotionally, even physically. What happens? How can I love a person that's really damaged me? It's a good question. And I'd like to respond to it. In the English language, there is two different words, to like and to love. To like is more based on emotions. We can't always like someone who has really done us serious damage in one way or another. But we have to love that person. You're going to say, well, how is that possible, Father Broom? Well, I'll tell you. As long as you can pray for that person that hurt you, then that's enough. I repeat, as long as you can pray for that person that hurt you, then that, that would be enough. So I just try to distinguish between to like and to love. We can't like everyone. People that that have hurt us, people that insult us, people that hate us, people that reject us, people that can't stand us. Well, we really can't like them. But we can love them by praying for them and even offering a, a deck of the rosary for them or even offering your communion for them. That's my interpretation. The response or real psalm, the antiphon is, let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. This is all related, my friends, especially to what we're celebrating today in the whole week. We're celebrating this whole week Christmas. It's the Christmas week. The Christmas week is a week in which we celebrate the the birthday. We celebrate the birthday 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We rejoice when we celebrate the birth of a child. We rejoice and we celebrate birthdays. We rejoice in celebrating anniversaries. Even more so, shouldn't we rejoice over the fact that we celebrate the birthday? The birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord, I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. The people should see how unselfish you are. The Lord is near at hand. The Lord is near at hand. So now, my friends, we move from the first reading where John says, if we love God, obey his commandments, and that we should love our brothers, even the brothers that have maybe hurt us, we have to love for them. And our joy should be in the Lord. Let's move to the gospel today. The gospel today, my friends, is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verse 22 to 35. Now this, my friends, is the Gospel. This is the Gospel of the of the presentation the gospel, the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. This gospel is the fourth joyful mystery, which you're probably somewhat familiar with. But let's uh, let's go through a few ideas for our meditation. So here we have the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. They're traveling together so as to be faithful to the law of Moses, that the child had to be presented to the, in the temple. So we see the real obedience of the Holy Family. And once again, let's examine our lives on um, on how uh, how obedient we are to to the commandments, to the church precepts, to our spiritual director, to our well-formed conscience, and even to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Family is a model in all virtues, and here we have an obedience to, to the law of God. 
Next point we see them traveling. It's like traveling as pilgrims to the city of Jerusalem where Christ will be presented in the temple. My friends, we are pilgrims. We form a pilgrim people. When I say that we're pilgrims, it means that we're heading. Our life is a pilgrimage in which we're heading toward the eternal city. Our eternal homeland that never enters. And that is, we're heading, my friends, toward heaven. So as we're heading toward our eternal destiny, our eternal homeland, try not to be sidetracked by the many glittering signposts or temptations that are present along the path. Not to be sidetracked. Rather to have our our eyes focused always on Christ. So they're traveling. Now when they arrive at the temple of Jerusalem built by King Solomon the son of David there are two principal people there that are prominent in this mystery in the temple. Now these two people are the two elderly people. One's name is Simeon, the other is Anne. They're patiently waiting for the coming of the Messiah. That's right, they're patiently waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So, Simeon, we have the person of Simeon. Let's talk about this person, Simeon. One of the highlights of the person of Simeon in my meditation is his relationship to the Holy Spirit. Three times in this passage in Luke chapter 2 is there mention a relationship between Simeon and the Holy Spirit. You notice how we always pray to the Holy Spirit at the beginning of our conversation. I invite all of you to say during the course of the day, Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. First it is, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon 
that he would not see death until he had set his eyes on the Savior of Israel. So Simeon is a mystic. He's a mystic. He's a mystic in which Simeon is open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working on Simeon, enlightening his intellect to the fact that he would not pass from this life to the next without first setting his eyes upon the promised Savior. Let's try to apply this in our own lives, my friends. All of you are baptized. Then through baptism, you enter into a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. All of you. Myself included. Unless we willingly expel the Holy Spirit from our lives by committing a mortal sin, then the Holy Spirit is residing within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, once you're confirmed, there's a more full outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, true, as soon as you're baptized. But once you're confirmed, these gifts of the Holy Spirit become more operative in your life. My friends, the key aspect of our growing in holiness is being docile, my friends, to the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The gift of wisdom, knowledge and understanding that perfect our intellect the gift of counsel that connects our intellect to our will, the gift of fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord, which perfects our will, our heart. So as we contemplate Jesus, Mary, and Joseph entering into the temple and encountering this man, Simeon, Simeon, who was really open to the Holy Spirit. Let us pray that we would not block, thwart, frustrate, impede the workings of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. In the second movement of the Holy Spirit in Simeon, it says that he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, there in the Temple of Jerusalem, 
there was a lot of hustle and bustle and a lot of people coming and going. And Simeon, as well as Anna, who is another prominent person in this passage today, Simeon had probably seen many, many mothers with a child in her arms or fathers with a child in his arms during the course of the years. So how would it be that Simeon would recognize Jesus as Lumen Gentium, who he would proclaim the light to all the people? How would he know this? How would he know this? Because this is a very humble, simple couple, Mary and Joseph. Joseph is a carpenter, Mary of Nazareth. Very simple, humble, unassuming couple that's going to be entering into this, the temple of Jerusalem, where there's probably a multitudes of people coming and going. How would he know? Once again, the Holy Spirit, he, be, he, was, moved, he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And his eyes were opened so that he could recognize the Savior in the arms of Mary and Joseph. His mind and his eyes were enlightened to recognize Christ. My friends, we have to pray for the same thing. We should pray for the same thing. That we, my friends, would be able to recognize recognize Christ in our daily life. To have our, our minds and our eyes enlightened, illuminated to recognize Christ among us. This is the working of the Holy Spirit. And the third is that he takes the child, Jesus, in his arms. And he, once again, he's moved. Now he's moved by the Holy Spirit to make a prophecy. And he said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And then he speaks to Mary, And you yourself a sword will pierce. You yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many may be revealed.
So there you see, my friends, the, 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 the workings of the Holy Spirit on Simeon and the workings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on us. The working of the Holy Spirit on Simeon and how the Holy Spirit should be working on us. We should pray that we would be really open and docile to the Holy Spirit all the days of our life. But one of the gospel messages is the persons of Simeon and his relationship to Jesus and Mary, but also his being inspired by the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit had he was working on Simeon for a long time. That he would not die. He would not pass from this world to the next. Before setting his eyes on Lumen Gentium, which means the light to all the people. And Jesus is the light to all the people. And then moved. I think, my friends, we should pray. We should pray that we would be moved, inspired, motivated, my friends. That we would be moved, inspired, motivated by the Holy Spirit. For that reason, that prayer I've taught you many times. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come through the heart of Mary. And lastly, that Simeon was was moved to speak, to speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit. My friends in this Perseverance family, you've noticed that the the whole dynamic of our conversation, we always start off, my friends, by praying. And I, I consider that to be a, a very important part of our Perseverance meeting every day. I pray to Mary. Then I pray to the Holy Spirit. Then I pray to the angels. And then I pray to the saints. Then after praying to Mary, the Holy Spirit, the angels and saints, then we enter into our dynamic conversation. So I invite all of you to rely more and more in your lives, to rely more and more upon 
the presence of Mary who has the child Jesus in her arms in the temple today. But also to rely more and more on the Holy Spirit. And there's a connection between Mary and the Holy Spirit. Mary's the daughter of God the Father. Mary is the mother of God the Son. But also Mary is the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. For that reason, I often pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. May God bless you. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.